You know, over the last couple of weeks, I've talked to you about the uh, about practical discipleship. I don't think that's a name that I have coined, but I think it's uh, I think it's really important for us to have some practical understanding of what it means to be uh, a child of God, a disciple of Jesus Christ, and what it means to be part of the church, what it means to be uh, part of the kingdom. And I think that when you really look at it, uh, the kingdom of God, as we see in the Gospel of John, is Jesus. And we also see evidence of it in the Gospel of Mark as well, is that Jesus is the kingdom of God. It is now present and soon to be here, that beautiful paradox that we have as Christians. So we pray that if Jesus does tarry, how then shall we be change agents by the power of the Holy Spirit to turn the world right side up again? And so practical discipleship then, in my estimation, is how you can become, in a very easy and a very simple way, uh, a deeper and broader Christian every single day. Okay? I talked to you a little bit last week about the dangers of, uh, of growing apathetic. You may love the church, but grow apathetic toward Jesus. You just, you know, you've heard it all before, you know, all this and kind of stuff. But Jesus is much grander and much fuller than anything that you can possibly imagine. And we pray that you're not like a mountain climber who is halfway up the mountain and you're satisfied by the view. Because there's so much more. There's so much more. And I think, uh, in the practicality of discipleship, that it is an incremental walk with Christ himself through the power of his spirit. And it is a rich and illustrative life. As you've read Christian history throughout the ages, you know that it is a walk and not a run. And that's what I'm inviting you to do today, is to just take one more step. Let's take a step together as we, uh, as I talk a little bit about practical discipleship. I want to remind you of some really important aspects of practical discipleship. And these will not be a surprise, I'm absolutely sure. Um, it, it's, it's this. It's this. And when I stand up before you every Sunday and say, you know, the grass may wither and the flowers may fade, but the Word of God lives on forever, that means it's really important, isn't it? That the Word of God is the very center and the very locus of our understanding of God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, but also a very good indicator of who we are and who we are in the sight of God during good times and bad times. That's for sure. Um, the Word of God, then, really is the place that we need to go every day because there is something in here that the Lord wants you to see. The Word of God is like a still pond, smooth surface, and the only way you can judge its depth is to dive in. You know, I um, ever been around uh, somebody that uh, doesn't know much about cars? You know what I'm talking about, right? They'll change the oil when the light goes on. You know what I'm talking about? That may have been there. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. Don't want to embarrass you. <laughs> you see when that orange or uh, that yellow, amber light, whatever it is, it comes on and has something that looks like an oil can. Uh, it's almost too late for you. <laughs> right? So by now, the engine is running on sludge, right? And so a lot of people reach into their glove box or whatever it might be, their center console, turn to the owner's manual and go, ooh, that's what that means. And then they go to the store to repair, uh, to get something that may or may not 
cause the engine to work any better at that point. How many times have you gone to God's Word when things are dire? You know, Lord, I need a good word from you, and just the wheels have fallen out, your ox is in the ditch. But wouldn't it be refreshing for us to go to the Bible every day? For it really is a portrait. It's a portrait of God. You know, God is wanting, He is revealing Himself to all of us in those 66 books of the Bible. Did you know that there were 66 books in the Bible? That there are 27 new and 39 old? And in every one, you're going to have an encounter with God Himself. And, and sometimes, the Bible will turn around and will be like a mirror looking back at you. And so it is so important. I believe that the whole Bible makes whole people. That inside this marvelous writ are the words of God Himself. Mortal ears are hearing and trying to comprehend something that is infinite. So God in His infinite wisdom has sent the Holy Spirit to us to be a spirit of truth, to understand what we're reading. By the way, if you take a college course in the Bible, and you'll probably hear something like, the Bible is poetry. The Bible is history. The Bible is as Middle Eastern narrative drama. If you read it as a child of God, you will hear the voice of Jesus. It is something that you cannot comprehend on your own. It is something that, something sacred needs to have someone sacred to help you interpret it. And that's the beauty of Scripture. And I believe that it is absolutely impossible to be a full Christian without being a student of Scripture. Practical discipleship, then, is an invitation to you, then, to read God's Word every day. Now, it might be only a couple paragraphs or whatever you're led to do, but take, take up and read, as Augustine heard so long ago, and read Scripture. Because then you'll begin to understand that whether the oil light is on or whatever, you're not turning to the Bible in bad times, but what the beautiful thing about Scripture is, is that you're going to develop a relationship with the author. And that's a beautiful thing. I ask that you don't take everything that I say as wrote. I ask that you challenge it against what is written here in this Word. I will be faithful and true to it. And I don't want you to just listen to me on Sunday morning without in turn going and turning to God's Word. Forget about, if you have a study Bible, forget what's below that bold line and engage the text of what is there in that particular moment, in that particular time. As I said last week, when was the last time you read a gospel all the way through? You see, practical discipleship is a matter of knowing who the author is, of knowing about Jesus, but not just knowing about them for this particular knowledge, but to have it transform your life. That Bible knowledge is good, but it's this and this that matters as well. This is, and may I be so bold as to say, this is your owner, owner's manual. 
turn to it just when the ox is in the ditch or in times of calamity and problem, but turn to it all the time. And I guarantee you, your life will be enriched and it will be an amazing journey throughout your life. One day we're going to meet the author. And I hope that you know him very well. So, here it is. The purpose of Scripture. And, and everybody knows this, uh, this particular verse. You got it up there, Jacob, for me? 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. Here's one of the great 316s of the Bible, by the way. Uh, it is all Scripture is inspired. Hey, want to help me here today? Okay. Would you read this with me? All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, comma, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. It's your owner's manual. It is the preventive maintenance. It's the stuff that you don't do, right? It's also telling you what you shouldn't do, right? Now, a lot of people like to drive on the left side of the road, and that ain't a good thing here. In England, it is. So this is all part of it. It is part of the reproof. It is the direction and all of the preventive maintenance issues that you need to take care of in your life. And it is for the long haul as well as the short term. Okay? That's, that's a really cool part. There's a guy by the name of, uh, I think his name is Her Herman Bodwick. And he writes this about Scripture. I thought this was pretty telling. In the Scriptures, God daily comes to His people not from far, but nearby. In it, uh, He reveals Himself from day to day to believers in the fullness of truth and grace. Through it, He works in His miracles of compassion and faithfulness. Scripture is the ongoing rapport between heaven and earth, between Christ and His church, between God and His children. It does not just tie us to the past. It binds us to the living Lord today. Isn't that marvelous? I thought it was too. So it's, the, so that scripture then, or, or, or reading the Bible, is a, it's not just about acquiring knowledge, but leads us to participation in an ongoing narrative. Now if you're part of Rebecca, kind of, where's Rebecca? Rebecca? I'm, I'm sorry I'm going to use you here, but I didn't ask you about this before. But, you know, there's 28 chapters in Acts. And, and Rebecca's been teaching you about the 29th chapter. And guess where that is? That's here today. We're part of that ongoing narrative of Acts 29. So Scripture then, it, 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 uh, it provides us the knowledge uh, and all of the transformative things of becoming more like Jesus Christ every day, which the accumulation of knowledge is good, but it puts our word, His word, into action. And that's, and that's what the 29th version, or 29th chapter, of access life. It is causing us to do something based upon what we've heard, right? It's a change in worldview. It's a change in self. How about James chapter 1? Right? James chapter 1, verses 21 through 24. There it is. Therefore, rid yourselves of all sortness. That's an interesting word. And rank growth of wickedness and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. Get that? And, but be, what is that word? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you on the deaf. Yeah, see, that's what it is, right? That is, be doers of the word and not merely hearers who 
So if you acquire all this knowledge and believe, oh yes, everything's hunky-dory in my life, you have to be participants in the Word of God. That this ongoing narrative, and matter of fact, it goes on, right? For if any are hearers of the Word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror, for they look at themselves and on going away immediately forget what they were like. Hmm. So we are to be doers of the Word. Participants in the narrative, participants in the works as well. And I say that because, and this is going to sting a little bit, is that there is a real crisis in the church with biblical literacy today. When I ask confirmands or people in Sunday school about a particular story in the Bible, they give me the thousand yard stare quite often. And so, how do you know the Father? How do you know the Son? And how do you know the Holy Spirit? Without reading this. Okay. Next is something that practical discipleship. This is the really easy part. This is the thing that really, this is where the rubber meets the road. Uh, John Wesley borrowed this from the Anglicans, of course. Uh, it's called the Means of Grace. So practical discipleship means how do you respond? How do you, how do you uh, respond to? How do you become part of the narrative of an ongoing act of forgiveness, redemption, and mercy, and salvation? How do you do that? So as a Christian, then, as a follower of Jesus Christ, hopefully growing on and on, here's some of the things that we can do. Matter of fact, you see me wear this all the time. The Jerusalem cross reminds us of that, but this is beyond the scope, right? But these, the symbol on this stole, this Jerusalem cross, is a reminder of the means of grace. And you say, what are they? Okay, let me try that again. What are the means of grace? You can say that. What are the means of grace? You may have to edit that part of the video. Okay. Well, it's works of piety. First of all, it's works of piety. And that's reading, meditating, and studying God's Word. So, here you go. A means of grace, according to Wesley, then, is how do you draw closer to God? And it's a personal endeavor as well. It is the reading, the meditating, and the study of the Word of God. Privately. Okay? So, take up and read. It's fasting. How many do fast? It is regularly attending worship. What you're doing right now is a corporate worship, but worship in your own home. As Debbie has mentioned at the onset of the, of the worship service, that prayer is an act of worship as well. It's healthy living, right? And sharing your faith with others. So that's your private, that's the private act of piety, individual acts of piety. And then there's communal practices, which are regularly sharing in the sacraments. We have two sacraments, right? Lord's Supper, Eucharist. Uh, and then Christian conferencing. That's accountability to one another. So communally as a church, we are accountable each to the other as brothers and sisters in Christ. We are to make sure that our witness collectively is congruent with the Word of God and the will of God. And that is discerned in a corporate way through prayer, fasting, and, and the like. 
and then group Bible study. I hope uh, there's lots of opportunities for you to practice communal piety uh, by all the uh, Bible studies that we have ongoing. And if you'd like to know more about that, you can fill out your connection card, and I'll tell you a little bit more about some of the, uh, the things that are ongoing. Then there's works of mercy. Works of mercy. First of all, in a, um, an individual, it, it's doing good works, it's visiting the sick, visiting those in prison, feeding the hungry, and giving generously to the needs of others. Uh, by the way, did you notice that $3,000? Thank you for your generosity uh, in raising $3,000 for Vanna House, because now we individually and corporately have done an act of mercy. Okay? And then communally, we seek justice, we end oppression, or seek to end uh, oppression and discrimination, and address the needs of the poor and those that have no voice in society. So that's our communal aspect of it as well. So overall, okay, just to, in sum, is that the goal of practical discipleship, in my understanding of it, is to be ever-changing, ever-growing in Christ Jesus. If you're satisfied where you're at, Ooh, you've got to read up more, pray more, you've got to do the means of grace. So you should always, always move forward. That your prayer to the Holy Spirit, my prayer to the Holy Spirit is, I'm not satisfied with my walk with you. Lord, if there's anything in me that needs to be cleansed or purified, oh Lord, I give it to you. Forgive me. Now lead me and guide me. Lead me and guide me now. Every day, every minute. Wesley used to wake up every morning and say, Oh Lord, what today? Oh Lord, what today? So, let's turn to Philippians chapter 3, verses 11 through 16. This is pretty telling too. Some, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already attained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it on my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us, when we are mature, be of the same mind, and if you think differently about anything, this too God will reveal to you. And then only let us hold fast to what we have attained. See what's happening here? Uh, this collective movement forward, never looking backward, always moving forward, right? When Jesus said uh, about looking backward from the plow, we want us to plow that straight line. And then, of course, First uh, Timothy 4, 7. Have nothing to do with profane myths and old wives' tales. Train yourself in godliness. And it goes on from there. It talks about all of the attributes then of, of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's really cool. So, our role here, my role as your pastor, the role of those that are in the staff, our role and our responsibility is uh, to help foster and grow your own relationship with Jesus Christ, along with your family and all that you come in contact with. Our role is to help you and assist you in your growth with Jesus Christ so that Christ himself will transform the world and we're all part of that. And I close with this saying, you've heard it many times before, uh, is that we are the Bible, it's the word, it's, uh, the world is reading. We are the creeds that the word is needed, the world is needing. And we are the sermons that the world is heeding. Billy Graham. And I agree, that's who we are to become. 
in a very practical and a very essential way in our world today. My beloved, I submit this to you all in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.